Welcome to The Backlog, a podcast hosted by Adaptivate. I'm Katie Cords, Head of Branded Content. Adaptivate partners with clients to accelerate outcomes by implementing new transformative ways of working. We are a global firm with offices in North America, Europe, Asia and Australia. In this episode of The Backlog, we feature our US team in an expert panel discussion. Our US Managing Director and partner, Nate Nelson, recently sat down with a few of his team to discuss how businesses can reshape their future to win post-pandemic. Just a note, the discussion is also available to watch on our YouTube channel. Visit youtube.com forward slash adaptivate. On to the show. Here's our moderator, Shannon Gilliam. Welcome. My name is Shannon, and I'm an Agile coach and consultant at Adaptivate Los Angeles. Today, we have Nate, Ray, Kayla, and Alan to discuss how do you shape your organization to win in a post-pandemic world and not allow a new normal to be dictated for you. So we have a few themes that we'd like to explore, and let's get started with the first one. So improving customer experience. Uh, Nate, what types of complex environments and challenges do we see in our clients post-pandemic? Yeah, thank you, Shannon. Uh, appreciate you having me on the panel, and uh, I'm happy to take the first question. So I think the, 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 the theme that I would call out is being able to meet customers where they are. Now, that's not necessarily a new challenge that, um, that organizations face. However, um, there, there's a lot that has changed during the, the, the pandemic and then looking at what the future uh, may possibly look like, right? Where it's still sort of, I think the picture is still being painted in some ways, but ultimately you'll hear, uh, you know, certain um, trends around digital first, which we think is absolutely important, is being able to engage uh, with customers in a digital way. And I think the, the pandemic has ushered or accelerated that but also looking at how to engage better even in a physical way. I think the expectation really is around being able to meet customers where they are. And in order to do that, you, you have to be able to adapt uh, quickly, not just during a, a pandemic, but then also, again, as the picture is being painted on what the new world looks like. A great answer, Nate. Uh, Kayla, do you have any any thoughts around uh, Nate's response or, or some ideas of your own about what it might be to meet customers where they're at? Yeah, uh, two things come to mind. Uh, first, sort of amplifying what Nate just mentioned. Now that customers have seen businesses, organizations, nonprofits be required to pivot really quickly in the face of this wild time we've lived in, they know that companies can, and they're going to expect that. And they're going to expect companies and organizations to adjust much faster uh, and be able to give them what they want, give the people what they need. Uh, when in the past, maybe they would have expected customers would have been okay with uh, slower speed to market. Uh, it's not going to be okay anymore. And then I think the other thing um, around improving customer experience is so much of the change that happened was driven by discrete uh, observation of human behavior. And I think more and more companies and organizations are going to need to bring in design thinking, human-centered design, and really observe 
how the customers are using their products, services, and offerings rather than how they think they're using them and use that data in an empirical way to make decisions quickly. And I think that's a, it's not a challenge so much as an opportunity for our clients and future clients. Great. Uh, Ray, how about you? What have you, what have you seen? You know, at the, the height of the, the pandemic in early 2021, we were early 2020, I'm sorry, we really didn't know if we were going to be able to deliver this type of value remotely. Um, and customers didn't know that that either. It was, it was a big test and learn. Um, so as we started to change the way that we work and the, the way that we connect with people, start to see that, you know what, you actually can build rapport and um, build teamwork and build leadership uh, via a remote connection. Um, so our clients started to see that right away. And instead of pulling back from us, uh, the way that we saw a lot of changes early pandemic, they're like, this seems to be working. Um, so we were actually accelerating and, and growing through throughout that time. Um, so it's a real testament to new ways of working and integrating with one another and being flexible. Um, as, as Nate mentioned, meet, meeting people where they are. And right now, we're meeting people at home. And how, how do you feel like uh, organizations can provide great customer experience and interactions? Like what are the tools and tips and techniques that you'd use to make a virtual engagement as meaningful as an in-person engagement? Ah, you know, one of the things on a, a human scale is to invite people into your environment. Mm -hmm. And um, we try to make it kind of cozy. And you can see from our, our backgrounds here, uh, we're, we're demonstrating something that's a bit a bit cozy that, that makes people feel a little bit more warm and fuzzy of the person that they're talking to. Um, we encourage people to use these technologies such as your cameras and your microphones to, to see each other and hear each other in a, a clearer, better way um, so that it's, it's not so robotic um, feeling. It doesn't feel so different. Um, and, and of course, the other tools that we have with uh, group whiteboarding and virtual whiteboarding, plus being able to, to go into a virtual space. So anything that we can do to replicate those um, environments that we used to enjoy, um, bringing that into this current environment makes it a whole lot more palatable for, for people. Um, even, even just making that space for it's okay if, if you're dog walks in, if your child walks in, if there's someone mowing a yard in the background, it, it's, it's okay. It's, it's life that we deal with and, and we're still here to, to do a job and to make some value. So we become more compassionate um, about one another's um, experiences that we go through on a day-to-day -day basis. Found that to be really impactful. One, one thing, you know, I probably wanna to add to that, Ray, you bring up a really good point along with others. Um, so Shannon, if you don't mind, uh, probably add, add, add a couple of points there. Yeah. And I was talking to a healthcare executive recently and uh, they had given me a pretty staggering statistic. So last year when the pandemic started, um, they had about, uh, that, that healthcare organization had about 4,000 uh, virtual visits um, from, their, from their members and their patients per day. Um, within a week, it went to 40,000. And so they had to, they were getting 10 times more patients and more members to serve and to care for in a virtual format, uh, which really pushed them to, to start to change 
not only the way they work, uh, but the way that they connect uh, with their members and the experiences that they provide to them. So when you, you, you bring up a great question around being customer centric. So when we think about getting care, uh, you know, being able to take a picture of a scab on your skin or, or something, um, something like that and being able to take a picture and send it to your doctor and get immediate feedback, um, is, is amazing, right? Um, I, could, I could go into the doctor's office, wait for an hour and a half uh, and, and you know, um, see the doctor uh, in a much longer time frame versus like taking a picture and sending that over. So a lot, of, a lot of organizations have had to not only rethink the way they work, but they've had to rethink what the experience is like for the members and um, especially members who, who are, uh, you know, who have issues um, while they're, you know, not mobilized, right? That they can, they can, whether maybe they're in a car accident, maybe they're at home, maybe they're they're in a different environment. Uh, being able to connect with your provider in different environments, uh, we have to take an account for what that experience is like and what they're going through uh, when they're not at the doctor's office. So, uh, amazing levels of complexities that we have to solve for, I think, in in, in the future, especially uh, in the care in, in the healthcare space. I'm curious to know, you know, in pre-pandemic, these would have been, for some organizations, just insurmountable obstacles that they wouldn't even have considered tackling because they didn't need to. And now that they have, and they've uh, found successes to one degree or another in being able to be re remote, uh, what do you think is are some of the challenges for redefining what normal looks like for them? You know, like who, what, what are gonna be the successful criteria for really reshaping how we interact with our customers, how we interact as an organization um, going forward? One thing comes to mind um, and thinking about what Ellen just mentioned about the change in the product offering that happened overnight because it had to. When we have companies ready to take on those challenges, they really need to have cross-functional teams in order to solve those challenges quickly. And I think that is something that sometimes many organizations weren't used to that they'll need to bring forward. So if I think about that instance, for, uh, for example, about the virtual visits, like you need, in order to solve that problem quickly, you need business, you need tech, you need UX, you need cyber, big issues, cybersecurity, you need legal regulation compliance. You need all those people in the room at the same time to make decisions quickly. And if that doesn't happen, then you're not going to be able to improve the customer experience and especially not at the pace that at which you want to. So that's one thing I've been thinking about. Yeah, I think that's um, I, I think that's a great point. I, it's not that these are necessarily new challenges. I think engaging with customers in certain ways may be a bit novel or new. Uh, but overall, these aren't new challenges, and I would um, I, I, I would like to underscore uh, what Kayla had mentioned. And in some ways, it's looking at um, you know what is the customer problem that we're trying to solve, or the experience that we're trying to create or delight for a customer, and almost almost working you know backwards in that. Okay, what are the types of capabilities? that I need on the team to do this. And then we, and we look at agile principles and how we, how we might leverage those to say, okay, well, what do we know that works? Well, 
dedicating uh, team members with cross-functional capabilities to a team allows us to have more clarity and, and focus and prioritization and, and what we are trying to do and looking more at an, the end-to-end -end experience. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're building a product or a service or quite frankly, both, right? Um, and that happens a lot where there's a product, but there's also um, services provided around that product. But really looking at that entire value stream or life cycle, dedicating the team to do that, creating that clarity, and then, and then um, for lack of a better term, forcing that team to communicate in short spurts uh, on a daily basis versus you know, larger meetings that, you know, may happen once a week or once every two weeks. And so really looking at, you know, things like outcomes over outputs and communication over processes and tools uh, and cross-functional capabilities to really drive things, um, you know, a whole lot faster and quite frankly, a whole lot better for a customer. Uh, Ray or Alan, do you guys have anything you want to add to that? Sure, I can pop into there. Um, you know, one of the things that we bring in in terms of agile ways of working is a direct customer focus and identifying who your customer is in the first place. Um, there's been so many times where I get together with a group of leaders from, from a large corporation and you know, we get into a whiteboarding session and like, let's figure out who we're trying to serve. So I'll ask each person to fill out a sticky note, go to the board and put it under who is the customer that we're solving? Mm. And if I have nine or 10 people in the room, I'll have seven or eight answers of different customers mm. that we're trying to serve. And that's the, the first indicator that, you know what, we're not on the same page of what we're trying to do. We got to figure out who we're trying to serve and what they need. Mm. Um, many of the times we try to figure out what we need to do for them. And as leaders, we're like, I think they need this. I think they need that. So we end up making requirements and handing them down to people uh, versus really involving them in the process. So we find that using some of these um, agile ways of working helps you to do something so simple. Identify who is it you're trying to solve, solve for, what is it that they need to be um, solved, and what's the real value of delivering that? You know, once we're all on the same page of that, it's much easier to go forward with any process or any um, mechanism that we're going to use to drive value. Yeah, and you know, I was uh, thinking of that with um, some answers previously. Do you feel like the pandemic has given organizations an opportunity to actually really connect with a customer versus making assumptions on their behalf? I don't know if the pandemic has made that that change it, itself, but definitely in bringing forth these new ways of working exposes that right away. Um, you know, these these are challenges that happen in every organization. They may not even realize that they're happening. Um, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with saying I know what needs to be done and I can tell everybody what needs to be done, but it's so much better to say, well, I I know who we're trying to serve and I know what challenges they have. Now, team, how might we solve those challenges together? That's a completely different mindset of just give me the requirements and I'll go do it. So now let's work together to try to figure that out. And, and whether we're doing that at home via Zoom or if we're all in a room together, um, it, it shouldn't matter quite as much. But I think this pandemic has given us the opportunity to focus deeply 
um, into this, this screen or this virtual environment mm -hmm. and, and start to figure that out together. Uh, it makes me think about how the pandemic maybe has shaped each individual's humanity and their own sense of empathy because we've gone through this collective challenge together and working at home they're able to understand a little bit more about maybe the day-to-day -day experience of their customers because they maybe lived in their shoes more and they didn't have some of the um, options that they might not otherwise have so it, it makes me think that we're going to see less of that command and control and more of this inviting the team inviting the customer in to solve the problem collaboratively and with vulnerability and courage because leaders realize that there was a need in a moment to model, role model, vulnerability and courage and risk taking throughout the pandemic. So that's my hope for organizations and society is that organically we'll have even less of that. And then you could, you know, employ some agile ways of working, new ways of working by design to accelerate the embrace of that culture and those mindsets. Yeah, the 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 one thing that comes to mind as as, as kind of being coaches and putting our coach hat on is, you know, we constantly encourage organizations and, and their teams to be more curious. Um, and how that, that plays out is, you know, we run design workshops and this kind of piggybacks on what Ray was saying earlier is um, we don't necessarily start with what is it that we know and what can we do with what we know. We really start to think about the customer and what is it that they want and what their journey looks like. So we will often, you know, do journey maps and, and use other types of tools to really empathize and understand what the customer's experience is. Um, and then we look for opportunities where we can make a difference as a team um, and what are the changes that we can deploy. Um, oftentimes I've found um, teams will come in saying, this is the knowledge and experience I have. So let's solve the problem from what I know. Um, versus let's solve the problem for the customer um, that, you know, let's solve the problem that we can solve for the customer. So design think, applying design thinking, design workshops, getting people into the room and oftentimes getting the customer into the room. Um, I can't, uh, can't recall how many times I've walked into a design workshop uh, where there's no customer in the room. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're, we're really talking about the customer without the customer in the room. Uh, whether it's virtually or, or, or physically. So bringing the customer into the room and really having an honest and open and curious discussion uh, about what the pain points are really allows organizations and teams to create the opportunities that are very specific, very valuable, um, and very, as Nate said, outcomes-driven rather than outputs-driven. So it, it's been a transformative experience and really opened a lot of eyes bringing customers into the process. Yeah, and I would just add, um, it's a great point. I mean, there are many of the, you know, call them winners out of the, out of the, the pandemic or, or companies that have been adaptable, right? That have been able to adapt and have either in, increased or improved their market share or have ventured into new uh, product or business lines. Um, our companies like, you know, take Amazon or Google, and Google, we know, does this really well. They have a formula for um, not only bringing customers in quickly up front, but then also prototyping. And that may be sketching to start with and moving more towards the digital prototyping of a product over time. But just to get really tactical, 
sort of flipping the way that you think about it, which traditionally might be let's, you know, let's, let's figure out, okay, what problem are we trying to solve? Let's get a team together. It might not be a dedicated team because we have a lot of priorities. Let's start building some requirements around that and so on and so forth. And next thing you know, we're weeks, if not months into the process. Let's get a more nimble cross-functional dedicated team together, bring in the customer, do rapid you know, prototyping or sketching to get rapid feedback from the customer upfront, which ultimately brings a product to market faster and sort of flips the, you know, perhaps the paradigm on how you go through something like this on its head. And I think if you look at, you know, what does the, again, the picture that's, that we're still painting on what the new normal will look like, I think adaptive, adaptability is going to be one of those, those key attributes um, that companies of all sizes will, will need to aspire to along with resiliency. Unfortunately, you know, there will be business interruptions. Um, we sure hope it's not to this scale or magnitude um, that we've dealt with in the last year, but um, you know, having an adaptable organization that you can pivot or you can quickly um, more rapidly respond to a, a new customer need that either was lower priority or quite frankly, wasn't even there in the past is something that all, that all businesses are, you know, ha have gone through and will, will, you know, will need to go through in the future is figuring that out. Well, that's a great segue into our second theme, which is actually around faster product life cycles. Um, so a lot of what I'm hearing is just around um, the importance of, of making a customer centric decision for your organization and then how to actually engage with that customer. And we know that Agile can help us unlock better ways to serve, serve our customers. Um, hey, Ray, how, how do you think it affects an organization internally, um, especially when it comes to faster times to market or innovation? You know, the idea of short feedback loops is, is a concept that we try to bring in often for organizations. Um, you know, people have a tendency to say, well, if we just had more time, we could probably build more or do more and then we'd have more to, to show. But, and, and uh, our way of thinking is, well, you know, why don't, why don't we actually use a shorter increment of time and, and break that work down into something smaller that we can test and learn at a shorter interval. I mean, th this is all um, a learning experience for us to be able to, to flourish new innovation or new ways of working at a, a corporation. So testing it out, being able to get feedback from other stakeholders and other uh, people who are involved in, in delivering that value itself gives you so much better of an understanding of what's going to work, uh, what's going to work around the rest of the organization. You know, how might we pilot this in a couple of uh, places to see how these shorter intervals or these shorter time scales work? And then let's try replicating that to some other parts of the organization and see how we can accelerate that value by, by scaling it to other areas. That mindset may um, miss some because it, it doesn't follow the traditional project management model of, you know, let's uh, refine all the, the work and try to de deliver it all. But if we can deliver a small sliver of value and understand why did it work or why didn't it work, it gives us so much more data to go into the, the next planning for making the next increment even better. 
And can I, can I ask actually all of you to share maybe how you've seen this implemented um, with different clients? Sure. There's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? So one of the clients that we've got, um, they're, they're essentially reinventing themselves and they are entering into markets that they've, they haven't really entered before. So they're really in uncharted territory. So this product, uh, accelerating products to market becomes even more important and more complex when that's not even a market that you've really been in. Um, so what, what we do is um, we've taken two, two approaches to this, right? Um, and it's more of a programmatic approach. So we get the big picture and we try to figure out with the client, what is it that you want to do? What is it that you want to achieve more from a strategic perspective? Uh, what that allows us to do is on every quarterly cycle, be able to come back and see if of all the work that we're doing, does this still make sense or do we need to do something different? So there's a quarterly cycle that allows you to look at the big picture. And then we establish smaller cycles as Ray was kind of alluding to, which are two to four week cycles where we're actually delivering and doing the work um, to get the product into the market. So imagine every two to four weeks, you're getting feedback, you're learning about your customer, you're finding out what's working for them, what's not working. But at the same time, on a quarterly basis, you're collecting all of this data and making a decision on whether this is the right direction for the organization or do they need to go into a different path. So there are two components to it. There is a strategic, um, there is an ability to have strategic agility on a quarterly basis. And there's an ability to have more execution and implementation agility on a shorter basis. Um, and this has worked quite well um, in the organization. And again, it's a test and learn opportunity, both at the senior executive level, as well as the team level. Uh, but as Ray alluded to, having that continuous feedback and that open dialogue between implementation teams and strategy teams um, is what makes it work. We have a financial services client, um, global Fortune 100 client. And, um, and when we're looking at how do we restructure or how do we help coach and and design and partner on new ways of working there's general there is generally a light bulb moment that happens and it's really around mindset shift and we are able to achieve that in a in a few different ways but ultimately when the the leadership and the teams start to realize uh really sort of the incremental nature in the feedback loop uh, techniques that we use that to Alan's point, maybe, you know, a week or a, or a two week feedback loop, if we look at, you know, what we call sprints and agile, and by the way, you know, doesn't have to be technology, right? You can apply this and we do all over the enterprise. Um, there's, uh, there's, you know, some training that happens, there's some modeling that happens. And then when clients sort of experience it for themselves, there's a light bulb moment in there. Uh, a lot of times where we see sort of this look or this expression on their face in terms of being able to incrementally deliver something that we can get feedback on in a couple of weeks, which at a large, you know, Fortune 100 financial services company that often, you know, this may take weeks, if not months to be able to test something. This is a huge shift, right? It's a transformative shift in how they work. So then think about how do you do that across, 
you know, multiple teams and multiple products and services. That's going to greatly accelerate, um, you know, your speed to market and then, and then also delight the customer. So just an example, you know, you can, you know, apply this to uh, certainly outside of technology, which is what we do, but, you know, virtually every industry as well, right? Yeah. And that makes me think about uh, not just external customers and clients, but m many times in a large organization, you have internal clients. Um, and when people are working together um, to be able to solve problems in a cross-functional way and to do that uh, with the mindset of progress over perfection and to do that with less reliance on mm -hmm. documentation and more focus on the conversation and actually making change, then you're able to deliver uh, much faster. And I'm thinking of a different global 100, uh, Fortune 100 financial services firm. And I worked with two different teams, one that was large and cross-functional um, or not cross-functional and not dedicated, not focused. And one that was small, nimble, cross-functional, speaking every day. And they basically were developing a prototype of the same regulatory document. So again, like Nate said, not limited to tech. It's, you can do you know, agile with compliance and regulatory in those types of environments. They are able to address uh, the problem and put something out to customers and get customer feedback uh, within three weeks, whereas the other one, it was over three months. Yeah, that reminds me of one of the big tenets of agile is, is a, around communication. And one of the things that I've seen with agile is while you are having an opportunity to speak more frequently, you're getting into that habit and you're developing better communication skills and habits um, and organizations that are reluctant to get together more frequently, like using standups or using uh, some of the other ceremonies that Agile uh, provides in order to have these moments. You know, how are traditional organizations or organizations that want to continue on um, with the way they've worked with a, a, a weekly status meeting or, you know, really limited communications, how are they going to be falling behind organizations that have embraced and now understand how important those small bits of communication are? And for a lot of organizations, um, you know, it, it is going to be a test and learn for, for them as well. And when we, we see that going forward, um, it's not an overnight shift to just all of a sudden start start doing these things. It, it does take some, some change in people's uh, behavior. And um, that, that's part of not just knowing the, the process, the, the fluency of the process, but, but how do we have the maturity of actually using the behaviors in a day-to-day -day basis of bringing these ways of working into the, our, our fold? Um, a big part of the proficiency that comes from Agile, is, as Shannon mentioned, is the communication. You get a communication boost immediately. Um, and that resolves so many challenges. I've, I've worked with organizations that would tell me there's an impediment because I have not heard from Bob. Bob hasn't given me the, the details that I need to move forward. And I've seen teams to struggle for days and weeks over Bob. We haven't heard from Bob. <laughs> 
But then we find out that Bob is actually upstairs. Bob is two stories upstairs. And maybe he's not responding to email, but just a simple thing of getting up out of your chair and going up and talking to Bob and getting that answer may help move us forward. Um, so sometimes working with, with, with team members is, is bringing forth some very simple communication techniques. Get up out of your chair, go talk to that person, make sure that's resolved. Or instead of assuming that two people need to get together to, to come to a, a solution, maybe it's that someone needs to join them in that conversation to ensure that at the end of this conversation, the goal is to come up with a solution for X. And that's a, a forward thinking management um, model that we would use to teach managers or, or leaders in this case, how do you accelerate value regardless of what framework you're using? You know, how, how do you have action oriented statements that you give to your team members of here's what I expect and here's a time frame that I expect it in um, and, and giving them the tools to be successful in, in delivering that. It goes so far in, in accelerating value even more than putting in a new process or a new way of working, just having that, that one thing brought in. So you brought up a, a good point about the opportunity to get up and go talk to somebody. But with the pandemic, that hasn't been a possibility for most of us. Um, in what ways you know, does Agile support or have you seen at clients where uh, being forced into a completely virtual environment has evolved the way we we are reaching out to each other. If I could probably take this on, I've, I've, I've had an interesting experience with, with one of the clients we're working with. Um, so we moved from working in the physical environment pre-COVID and then, and then post-COVID went into a virtual environment. Um, the team got used to being able to walk over and see each other and ask questions. And especially in this case, um, you know, so Agile has this role called a product owner who really helps to, to decide on priorities. And so this team was very reliant on continuously having discussions on priorities and what good looks like. So being able to physically meet was, was fantastic. So now in a post-COVID, what do we do? How do we, how do we still have that conversation? Um, so this, this product owner specific person um, decided to have what they called the product owner office hours. And so they just dedicated a certain amount of their time in the week, because as, as many of us have experienced, we might be back to back in meetings and there's just, there just is an allocated time to talk to people because you're just between meetings. And so they dedicated this, this time uh, to talk to, uh, sorry. They dedicated this time uh, to talk to each other. So the product owner would say, okay, in a week, I've got um, two hours dedicated, uh, one hour each day for anybody to come in and ask me any questions that they might have um, so I can help them and support them better. So that was one thing that was really great. And it really came from having that ability uh, to have that deeper connection, deeper conversation in an agile way. Uh, but setting aside that time virtually, they carried that over from that experience um, that was more on site. Great, that's a, a brilliant idea. Have um, any of the rest of you seen ways in which which teams and, and organizations have improved in that? Yeah, I think um, for a, a lot of the clients I've worked with, they're globally distributed. And because of that, the information sharing can be difficult if there's small periods of overlap hours. So having a asynchronous place where we're 
putting the work that needs to be done um, and writing them in what we call user stories and making sure those stories are really clear about why the work needs to be done has allowed, I think, team members who are in other parts of the world and not necessarily communicating, being able uh, be able to pick up those and, and work really quickly. I guess what I would add, uh, you know, around, um, you know, thinking about communication, let's say, and, and being able to uh, do that in a physical way. And during the pandemic, that became a lot harder. Uh, as we think about uh, some of the larger clients that we work with, they, they, they have distributed teams and they have had for years. And so they've been um, faced with this challenge over time. And I think, you know, one thing that has come out of the last year is all of the different collaboration tools that we have available. Um, and in some ways that may seem overwhelming, but figuring out the right, you know, the right technology to, to be able to improve collaboration has been extremely important. And as we virtualized in a lot of ways over the last year with our clients, um, you know, we've been, we've been figuring out how to leverage that even more. Uh, and that has been, you know, very important. So there's certainly a technology piece of that. But then I, I think it also goes back to the mindset shift. Uh, and, and as we look about, as we, as we think about, I should say, um, you know, how do we create more opportunities to communicate and collaborate? Um, and let's leverage agile principles to do that perhaps through standups. Uh, and as we think about, you know, feedback loops and things like that, all of that is, you know, there are, there are lightweight techniques or processes around that, but it's also a mindset shift as well. And so it has been challenging uh, to, to figure this out, but um, in a lot of ways, companies have been grappling with, with this for quite some time. And now they've, you know, we're at a point where technology is not a laggard in this. Now it's more about mindset shift, I think. And, and then, and then to, to some extent, you know, processes or just, or, or maybe even culture, if you will, in terms of how the organization works. Yeah, the, the idea of, with Agile about having um, co-located teams, which was an original part mm -hmm. of the Agile manifesto was, and that was really, I think, driven for a long time. And I, and the pandemic really showed that uh, you can succeed without it. Um, and I know that, that the struggle with having co-located teams has been a driver toward our, our third theme here, which is around retaining and recruiting top talent. If you, if you mm. must have a co-located team, you either have to find talent that's willing to move, or you have a, very, a much smaller pool of applicants and um, opportunities to really hire the best. Going forward, post-pandemic, what do you think that's going to require in order to recruit and retain that top talent as the pandemic has proved that people can pretty much work from anywhere? Yeah, I'm glad you, um, I'm glad you asked that, Shannon. Um, I, I think about, um, you know, as we look at the new normal, um, not only are we looking at how to better serve our customers, but also how to serve our employees. So employee experience is just as important and in some ways maybe more important than the customer experience. Uh, there, has, there has been a, let's say a war for talent even prior to the pandemic. 
Um, and employees are looking to work at an organization where they feel like they are attached or inspired by a purpose. Um, and I, I believe that the you know, agile ways of working is perfectly set up to allow you to align you know, what you're doing, the value you're bringing to what the purpose is of that customer objective and of what business that you're in, you know, what does the organization serve, right? What is your vision and purpose as an organization? Um, and so that's one component of it. And there are many others if we think about, um, you know, pushing decision-making downward, which is the antithesis of command and control. Um, having more focus and being dedicated on a team, which allows you to, you know, cre create more mastery in what you do, right? Uh, and then also the autonomy component. So we do think about mastery, autonomy, and purpose as part of benefits or outcomes of leveraging agile ways of working. And employees, you know, will vote with their feet in terms of where they want to work, which culture they want to work in, and really being um, not only attached, but inspired by that, that purpose or the why. So looking ahead, um, how do companies make that shift to a more agile way of thinking and behaving? You know, what are, what are ways that they can incorporate those values either for themselves or for their employees or, or for their customers? Yeah, you know, we've talked a lot about um, improving the customer experience, um, you know, speeding up product life cycles and also retaining the best talent. Um, but, but looking ahead, um, in order to accomplish all three, corporations are gonna have to um, you know, make environments different for people. Um, employees, especially, it's not just about pay. People have uh, choices of where they can go and work, especially as the pandemic is lifting and organizations are hiring like, like crazy right now. There's lots of opportunities out there. So to maintain that talent, thinking ahead of, of how do we keep the best talent to maintain the momentum that we've got going, creating challenging environments, um, um, making sure that corporate values are evident in the type of work that people are going to be doing. You know, what, what company can I work for that exemplifies the values that I have as an individual? That may be part of my decision of whether to stay with the company or to go to a different company. And I think companies, corporations are gonna to have to think about that going forward, that it's, it's not just because people need a job or just because we're hiring, but it is because we are a great place to work. It is because we have a challenging environment. It is because we, we offer autonomous opportunities for, for growth and, and development within our company. Um, so looking ahead, um, companies have to make sure that it is attractive to be part of their environment, as well as um, we're moving the needle. We're, we're actually accelerating value to market. You know, sometimes when you talk to, to people, they may not realize the, the, the importance of what it is that they're, they're working on. We, we have a, a large um, energy client and, and some of the, the people on teams that we're working with, like you guys are solving renewable energy challenges for, for the next decade. Like this is really exciting stuff. Um, so it's, it's not just we're, we're doing uh, scrum tasks or agile tasks in a, a, a two week cycle or something. We're, we're solving financial challenges. We're solving energy challenges, people challenges. 
and creating best places to work at the same time. Uh, I, I think I want to echo everything Ray said. The more you can engage your employees in helping them make meaning of what they do will be critical as a differentiator. And um, creating cultures and environments that model practices that are aligned with agile ways of working, such as more autonomy, more empowerment, uh, more courage and openness and transparency, and a focus all on impact will be key. Yeah, and, and if I think about how do we enable that, how do we create that culture and that environment, if I'm a leader in an organization wondering, what do I do first? What do I do next? I think one of the best ways to get started is to start. And we often have clients uh, start by doing an agile pilot. And that involves us going in, identifying opportunities that could be addressed um, through agile ways of working or new ways of working and bringing in some of our agile coaches and doing training with both leadership, folks on the ground, helping set up cross-functional teams, helping them learn this new way of working and really expedite change. And then that becomes a proof point and we're able to expand that over time till we get to a point where there's a tipping point and you really feel the change and the acceleration of value in the organization. So first thing to get started is to get started and that's what we're here to help you do. Thanks, Kayla. Well, just to wrap up, I'd like to thank all of you for coming and participating and answering questions on this really pertinent topic right now about shaping your organization post-pandemically and not allowing the post-pandemic new normal to shape you. Uh, if you have interest in learning more about Agile Ways of Working or how we might be able to help, please reach out. Uh, you can find a ton of information on our website at www.adaptobate.com, as well as following us on LinkedIn or Instagram. Thanks so much. Great, thank you. Thank you. Very much.